0: Welcome to this edition of the Disciples Men podcast with your host Greg Alexander and Alex Ruth. Thank you for joining us as we explore the many challenges of being man of faith in these challenging times. Disciples Men is a ministry of Disciples Home Missions of the Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in the U.S. and Canada. Let's listen in today's conversation.
1: Welcome to another edition of Disciples Men podcast. I'm Alex Ruth, your Associate Director of Disciples Men. And as always, I have with me today, the Director of Disciples Men, Greg Alexander. Greg, good to be with you this afternoon.
0: Hi, Alex. Great to be with you. And I'm really excited about who we have talking with us today. Can't wait.
1: I am as well. Uh, This is something that we've been working on for a little while. Uh, And today we have us with us as our special guest, uh, the executive director and minister with uh, Alliance Q. And I'm going to stop your title there because it's too long, Melissa. Uh, Melissa Guthrie Loy. So Melissa, thank you for joining us today.
2: Alex and Greg, I'm so glad to be here. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to build connections.
1: Yeah, that's great. Thank you for that. So um, Melissa, help us uh, get to know you a little bit better and, um, And tell us a little bit about how you came to be uh, in your role as Executive Director and Minister uh, with Alliance Q.
2: Certainly. I'll add that I use the pronouns she and her. And I wonder, um, as a model, uh, Alex, will you share your pronouns with our listeners?
1: I use he, his.
2: And Greg, what are your pronouns? He, his as well. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. My long, long title, right, we know it's a mouthful, is Executive Director and Minister uh, with Alliance Q, the Disciples LGBTQ Plus Alliance. A long label uh, to summarize um, a ministry that has been uh, alongside the Christian Church Disciples of Christ for more than 40 years. Uh, The Alliance was founded as GLAAD, the Gay, Lesbian and Affirming Disciples Alliance. And today we expand um, to be as inclusive as possible. So the Alliance um, is how we present ourselves. You asked uh, how I got to where I am. Uh, That's not a a big long question at all. (laughs) My journey um, is one of many paths probably like others, um, especially clergy in today's context, right? Right. Um, I live in Greensboro, North Carolina. It's certainly home. I still claim that I'm a Midwesterner uh, because I grew up in Iowa. My family in Iowa hears a Southern accent, but my in-laws in the South don't claim that I'm a Southerner. Right. Yeah i did ministry outside the walls of the church through teach for america and i think i share this part of my story because it illustrates for me how ministry um truly right does not require the institutional church um, or as we know in this recent landscape our church buildings Um, teach for america Um, placed me in a high school here in the South. I taught English and I had a wonderful experience. And for me, it truly was ministry. I was working with teens, especially um, those coming from marginalized groups. I knew that I would go to seminary. I don't know if each of you, um, for your own journeys, you know had that that call or that understanding um for a long while right. um, i went to seminary at the school of divinity at wake forest and um when there relearned um it's always changing relearned what my call might be mm-hmm. I, had, I had a theology professor Uh, who listened to me, uh, who listened to my stories, the things that were important to me. And he knew that I was a parent. Uh, Being a mom is an important part of my story. And in particular, I parent children with special needs, a son on the autism spectrum. And one day in the theology class, Professor Tupper uh, hands me a book that is not on the syllabus. And he says, you're not reading the same book as everyone else. I want you to read this book. And uh, it was Nancy Eastland's, um The Disabled God. So in my seminary uh, career, I started to dig more deeply into uh, theology and disability. And that shaped um, my commitments to found a nonprofit organization called Salvage Garden. Salvage Garden um, continues today. The primary ministry of the nonprofit is something called sensory worship. Mm-hmm. And the organization works for the inclusion of individuals with disabilities in our churches. Yep. What does this have to do with Alliance Q and the Disciples of Christ? Um, my call has always been about welcome and inclusion. Yes. about equipping faith leaders and families and groups uh, to expand our welcome, right, of those who yep. have not found a traditional space in our churches. Um, so Salvage Garden is a significant part of my story. Parenting uh, my three kids is a significant part of my story. I served a Disciples Congregation in North Carolina, and then, uh, In 2019, at the end of the year, uh, followed uh, Mark Johnston's leadership with the Alliance and accepted the call to be executive director and minister uh, with Alliance Q. It's been a whirlwind of almost two years since that time. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Nothing in our churches or uh, climate has, you know, been uprooted, right?
1: No, not at all.
2: So here we
1: are. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's, uh, I, I've been able to, to hear some of your story, but uh, in the past, and so there are a few things that, that stood out to me there, and that is the kind of continuity that, that you mentioned of an expansive and all-inclusive welcome um, because, at least in my learning, in my growth, what I find is I still have blind spots. Um, I still have areas where I don't recognize when I'm being unwelcoming, when I am putting up barriers uh, between the table and people. Yeah. And uh, disability has been one of those uh, recently. Race. Gender identity, sexuality, all those have been parts of that journey. And it, it, it's interesting to me to have that thought of keeping a wide open welcome. And what does that mean? Uh, and particularly in today's socio-political climate, that's difficult. Mm-hmm. It is not easy to do right now. I
2: think part of that open wide welcome is asking questions and you said it's not easy while some of us don't mind being nosy (laughs) and wanting to know people and stories and what's happening i think sometimes we're afraid to ask difficult questions sometimes sometimes because we don't want an answer that we're uncomfortable with sometimes because we don't know the answer and it makes us feel insecure uh, and a host of reasons. Right. But, but I think we hesitate to ask and then spend time with each other on difficult questions.
1: Yeah, I, I, I resonate deeply with that. I was having a similar conversation, I think, with the member of the congregation that I serve. Within the past seven to 10 days, um, about the importance of being willing to, to deal with those difficult questions uh, and, and to have whatever questions they are, um, you know, kind of presented uh, to us. So, um, which brings up a difficult question, and, and we can spend some time unpacking this maybe. Um, I, we've had uh, Greg and I in. Uh, some of our meetings with disciples men from uh, around the country, Um, thinking back to a a meeting that we had this spring uh, virtually, Uh, we were asked by a participant in that meeting, you know, what is the future or is there a future for ministry that is, as disciples men, so gender specific? At least at the outset, it, it, you know, saying disciples men kind of throws up some boundaries.
3: Good question. Mm
0: -hmm. Next question.
3: (laughs) Oh, Greg,
2: I appreciate that. Here, here, Melissa says we avoid difficult questions. And then you, you lift this one. Uh, When I graduated seminary, and that feels like a long time ago, I told a favorite professor that I had more questions than answers than when I began the journey. And she looked at me and she said, Then we did our job.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: I think, as faith leaders, for me and for many that I work with, part of our call is, is to ask questions and let others come to their conclusions. And before I speak to your big question, uh, I'll name that for my job, I get paid to answer people's questions with questions. <laughs> our, our work with Alliance Q um, is to foster either individuals or faith communities own organic journeys. Mm-hmm. So we have toolkits, resources, things we might touch on today and to your question, to all of the questions that we are given, we often ask questions in return, right, to, to help each person in each ministry um, discern, discern what is next or what that looks like. So all of that to say, uh, I wonder, you know, what was that person's thought? You know, Alex, Greg, did, did they have their own answer um, that they wanted to share with you?
1: As I remember the conversation, and Greg, correct me if if you remember this differently, um, their thought was that they did not see as much need for um, gender specific, especially man specific, male specific uh, ministry, because as we, I believe, all know at this point, male voices have, male white voices have been dominant for so long and domineering for so long. Um, and I I heard that very much as pushback against that, uh, against any kind of ministry that would support patriarchy, that would be um, queerphobic, that would be transphobic, that would be um, racist, any of those, things that white guys have historically done um, that we would need to be about subverting all those
3: mm.
1: and creating a, a place of wideness and welcome.
0: I, I also think that part of what we're dealing with, which I'm not sure we've ever talked about, Alex, uh, you know, I, I'm of a different generation the two of you. And um, in my generation growing up, part of what defined us was, you know, there were very clear gender roles. And um, in my life, you know, by the time I hit high school and early college, those gender roles, thats just, you know, late 60s, early 70s, those gender roles were very much being rewritten, uh, at least among the younger population, my generation. And I, I do think that a lot of the questions that we get today, uh, you know, and, in, and our constituencies, made up a lot of older guys, you know, to be honest. And as we all know, I, th- I think that one of the things that gets in the way of our, our openness and our welcome is that we don't know, we haven't been able to figure out what our role is because, you know, we were defined by role for most of our lives. We don't know what our role is in the new reality in which we're we're being asked to live today and so we have some of our men who want to run back to what was because there was there's certain security in knowing what that i know who i am in that role or i think i know who i am in that role and when you're asking me to participate in um in a world in which those roles are clearly less defined and less maybe less important who am i what am i you know within this context and Um, you know, and that's just, that's dealing with my own gender identity. That's not dealing with somebody else's. And, you know, I think that's where, where I'm not sure we've been honest with ourselves. Uh, You know, again, maybe this is more confessional where we, where we've not been honest with ourselves in what we're really dealing with. And it's not so much, you know, you know, what you, what you might pick up to me as over against. Is I don't know I don't have the tools to know how to be me in this context, and so we all run to self protection when those moments come, and um, you know I think we do have a younger generation today that are not trapped by those role identities, you know they 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 didn't inherit those in any tangible way, and I do think those are the those are the men who are challenging the identity you know the gender identity groups like men's ministry, uh, because that men's ministry does reflect a certain role in, and, uh, and, you know, they're going, that's not my role anymore. And, uh, who am I to say that they're wrong?
3: I appreciate those reflections,
2: the little bit of confession and naming that underlying question. Who am I? When, When you ask that, Greg, uh, I wanted to add, who are we? Mm -hmm. I think the events of the last 18 months, um, the racism that many of us are finally um, confronting within ourselves and our faith communities, our gender roles, uh, our binaries. I think we are, we are, and this is where I have some hope. We are shifting to ask that "Who are we?" question okay. alongside the "Who am I?" Um, we have to define and search and continue to redefine who we are as individuals. Um, but that collective "Who are we?" I think will help every ministry um, move forward.
0: And, and I'm <laughs> I mean, first. I've always understood that to be the role of ministry. So ministry has yeah. always been for me, a we enterprise, not a me enterprise.
3: Yeah.
0: So, uh, yeah, I think that's, I think that's a great, uh, a great place for us to not lose sight of Melissa. Yeah.
1: So from there, uh, I, I know you and I have had some of these conversations, uh, Melissa, but let's talk a little bit about some of the work you do with, with, um, congregations, um, and helping them discern where they are. Uh, in in the process of their congregational life, um, so we'll start with if, if there's a somebody listening to the podcast today says, "Hey, um, I want to uh, I want to really ask those difficult questions. Who am I as a person? Who are we as a congregation? Uh, specifically in respect to our welcome for LGBTQIA plus." persons.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, what are some of the things that that are available to a person like that um, through Alliance Q and and through partnering with with you all?
2: I'm glad to lift up some of the resources and partnerships that Alliance Q uh, brings, and you might want to ask me that question again in a minute because um, so that we don't lose it. I do have my own answer to that big question. Is there a place for gender-specific ministries? So that we don't lose that big question. You asked, is there a place moving forward in the future for gender-specific ministries? My answer uh, is yes and. That might be my Lutheran heritage shining through (laughs) uh, both and um, understanding. My answer is yes, we need spaces, safe, brave, authentic spaces where we can relate to individuals who share with us our experiences and we need safe, brave, authentic, affirming spaces where we come together with our uniquenesses, our differences, Uh and then we we do life together from that place. Um, Because I shared about the ministry of Salvage Garden at the intersection of disability, part of that ministry and part of my work there as an individual, as a parent is, Does my family want to worship in a community where we are with other individuals with disabilities? Does my family, now at another intersection with my identities, does my family want to worship and be in community with LGBTQ families? Does my family want to worship with a community of people who have different abilities, who are LGBTQ+, who are allies, and the list goes on. And my answer is yes, yes, and yes. So do, do you get it? Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a need for a shared experience and a, a coming together to dig into that, to confess, to process, to share pains, to celebrate. Um, are either of you parents? Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. And
3: grandparents.
2: <laughs> Yay, grandparents. <laughs> relating with other parents. Yeah. And Greg, being with grandparents who know the joy, I'm guessing, of hanging out with the grandkids and then sending them back.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Um, there, there's something about relating, right, to that yeah. lived experience. In my context, There are certain parents who only can relate to me and support me very deeply if they have a child with autism or a mental health diagnosis because they live that, right? (laughs) Um, Or we have gone to similar doctors or needed help in certain areas. Uh, And and likewise, uh, as it relates to my sexual orientation. So my answer for us as the church, capital C, Big Church, is our invitation is to honor the wholeness, right, of each person and the body of Christ, which is that coming together among differences. And in doing so, there is still a deep need for us to come together um, in our sameness.
3: Mm.
0: so beautifully stated part of what i what i want to add is that it is in that togetherness where we find our wholeness Mm. and i i can't be fully me if i don't experience as much of the fullness of you as i can as you know as a as a person in our differences and in what we share together and uh i've i've you know i'm not i'm if you ask the members of the little church I serve, you know, one of my favorite mantras is, is not that we're wrong. It's that we're different. Mm. And if we can't, you know, we find appreciation in our differences and, you know, I can't grow if I'm not exposed to your difference or I, you know, I'm stuck in my sameness. And so that's the, to me, that's the, that's why even in retirement, I can continue to serve the church in some capacities because it is, it is there that life continues to expand for me. And, uh, Uh, And, um, but I also would say that the gender specific ministries also have to be understood as a place among other places Mm. that we need to connect that pulls us. I think you said that far better than I can say it, Melissa, that pulls us beyond ourselves and into, into life with one another. And, you know, that magnificent tapestry of what we bring together is awesome. You know, I mean, that's of God.
2: Yeah. Amen. <laughs> right. Uh, I'll take that as my sermon. Um,
0: Write it. And send it back. I need one. We,
2: <laughs> Alex, we both have a sermon coming. Up. Yeah, we're, we're good. We'll, we'll give credit to Greg. Yeah, it's cliche, but I can't not say. And it, as an English teacher, I realize I'm using a double negative. I can't not say we have an illustration from our scripture. About the body of Christ working together because of our different gifts. Amen. Right? So the Amen. men, and the women, our trans sibling, our nine non-binary sibling, um, and so on. Uh, we need each other. We belong to each other. We belong to God. We are better together.
0: Amen. So, Amen.
2: Alliance Q uh, would. I uh, would say that, while there is a need for a space for specific ministries, so gender specific, uh, race specific, um, and so on, these individual ministries must be, and here's where some of our resources, and resources from and relationship with our other church-wide ministries um, will be helpful. These ministries will be effective um, and I think honor our faith traditions when they are inclusive in their nature and when they are expansive. What what do I mean, right?
3: Right.
2: To, To me, language is so significant And so Alliance Q is about a ministry of inclusion, yes, who is here, who is at the table with us, how do we include our trans sibling, our non-binary sibling, my son with autism and so on. And I think the way that we include is by expanding our understanding Our practices, Mm -hmm. our use of scripture, our rituals in worship, our liturgy. And so we need both an inclusive ministry that is expansive. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, Alex, you said early on, you know, we have to subvert our systems, our practices, uh, dismantle um, many of our systems. Some are beyond repair, I believe um
3: Mm -hmm. there's
2: a time to build and there's a time to tear down
3: yes Um,
2: if any ministry continues as new ministries take shape we do so by expanding um how we practice inclusion and welcome in those places
0: melissa do you feel progress has been made in in expanding and inclusion and i'm thinking both Church and beyond.
2: Are you going to end the podcast if my answer is yes and?
1: No. <laughs> no. Not at all.
2: <laughs> Has progress been made? Yes. Because I am serving as the executive director and minister with Alliance Q. As an openly gay woman of faith, I'm serving the church. Yep. No progress has not been made because I or siblings of mine are not serving often enough in other positions of leadership with the church because of our sexual orientation or gender identity. Um, I think we have a host of open and affirming ministries uh, across the Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, that will not call and Mm -hmm openly gay, lesbian, trans, non-binary minister. And so what does it mean to be open and affirming? It means more than a designation. It means, Greg,
3: much work still has to be done, Mm right? Yeah. 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 And
1: and we do have a lot of work to do. Uh, I, I think that that is, maybe it's something that I've found um, in my couple of years doing work with disciples men uh, in this capacity that there is always more work to be done and more learning to occur. And like you said, greater expansion of, of what we're considering and how people are not only being um, invited, included, affirmed, but how we are creating spaces with them in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, to answer one of my own questions, I think the future of men's ministry has to undergo some changes in the way we define or, you know, way we create our, our ministry within the congregation, um, because I don't think that uh, we've done a very good job of creating spaces with younger men in mind currently. Maybe we did for what we needed in the seventies, but I don't know that we're creating it with younger men in mind who are younger men now, you know, born around the millennium. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know if we're doing that as effectively as we can. Um, so, that idea of always expanding, finding new ways to create spaces with where, where people of all different backgrounds are not only welcome and invited, but who's created with their, with their specific you know, kind of needs as best as we can get to that. Uh, I have to step aside from intersectionality a little bit to say that, um, but with their needs in mind.
2: I would add, not disagreeing with you, but supplementing, I would add with their gifts in mind. Yes. And yes. that's a matter right, of perception, not implying that a need is a deficit, um, but with the acknowledgement that every member of the body of Christ brings gifts, then why wouldn't we invite their gifts, include their gifts, and deepen our ministries And I choose deepen, not change, right? Like say that dirty, scary, profane word, change, but deepen our ministries. Um, Yeah. You asked, um, we can stay here, but you asked about the resources that Elijah brings to the church, um, to an individual or to a faith community, asking who are we, where do we go? How do we deepen or widen our welcome? Yeah. Uh, our conversations with individuals and in faith communities are very context specific, and that's a gift and a burden. <laughs> um, we are very well known for our key resource, the Building an Inclusive Church Toolkit. And it's not our resource, Alliance Q. It is an ecumenical a toolkit presented um, and enhanced over the years, multiple times uh, from many uh, denominational partners. And that said, it's a compilation of tools for the journey. And when we have tools, then we can build, right? Mm -hmm. Each faith community builds its outcome, builds its community. That said, The toolkit uh, invites people into relationship with each other. Um, It invites people to tell stories, but to do a whole lot more listening, you know, listening to each other's stories. So uh, a faith community that wants to consider widening its welcome, uh, they are encouraged to ask questions of themselves. What are their values? Who are they? How are they perceived by the wider community? Why are people there? You know, so uh, individual conversations or small group, small group conversations with church members. What brought you here? Why are you still here? And, and for disciples, men, for other larger ministries, what are your values? Why are people here? Why are people not here? Who's not here? Um, Yeah. So a lot of, uh, deep work about one's identity and, uh, the gift of an open and affirming journey Alliance Q hopes is a a commitment to living into welcome and affirmation. Um, but really the gift is understanding who you are. Mm -hmm. And we acknowledge that sometimes a ministry will conclude we are not open and affirming and Wearing my hat as executive director and minister, okay. I would rather you as an individual um, or you as a ministry communicate that you are not open and affirming because that is safer and healthier mm-hmm. emotionally and spiritually for a person. Yes. Than one potentially showing up um, and being hurt, right? Um, mm-hmm. By a community. Yeah. Yeah. We do a lot of education and sometimes it's uh, planned, you know, so we are offering this series or these topical conversations and resources, or it's in response to a need that is brought to us. Um, We do a lot with the ABCs. I joked about my title and our organizational name and identity, but you know, Alphabet Soup and Trans 101, The differences between uh, sexual orientation and gender identity; those are different. You know, some listeners, you might say, "I don't know what you're talking about." You know, I'm sure Alex and Greg will point you to some of our resources. Can I tell one one story? Yeah. Oh, please. Um, We hosted uh, at the end of twenty a virtual. Uh, Trans 101, the T in LGBT, and we had a a great turnout virtually. Our facilitator was Robin Knauer-Haza, previous moderator with Alliance Q, uh, a woman, um, a trans woman, and when we had Q&A, a grandfather speaks, And he can hardly get through his comment. He says, I don't have a question. I just want to say thank you. Mm -hmm. My great-grandson asked me to officiate his wedding. I have done the weddings of my children and my grandchildren, and my great-grandson asked me to do his wedding. He's trans. And I'm doing his wedding, but I came to this webinar today to understand more about who my great-grandson is. Like, I'm getting goosebumps now. Oh, uh, me too. This, <laughs> his grandfather, I wish he were my grandfather because my grandparents um, are not where he is. But he showed up to learn and to listen and to ask questions because he wanted to better understand his great-grandson
3: um, it was a gift and, um, that's the ministry of
2: Alliance Q. Yes. Yes.
1: I I was able to uh, take that workshop with Robin earlier this year. Um, and it is a, it's a great experience, a great opportunity for, and I, I'd say I've got a pretty good handle, at least on terminology. I kind of know where things lay in the landscape. I I know the lay of the land, but that was, there were stuff I hadn't even thought of um, that was was brought up there. And and, and in such a engaging and accessible
3: opportunity uh, to, to learn and to uh, deepen our understanding
1: of of the beauty and wideness of our created siblings.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: One of the tools in the toolkit is graceful engagement. And for many of us, uh, people of faith, we would think Okay, grace, yes, yeah, sure. You know, we get this. Uh, do we? Graceful engagement as a tool that we model and invite folks to use is a way of doing life together, is a way of asking complicated, difficult questions, is a way of listening to each other. And so it will benefit the lives of individuals and churches, regardless of a conclusion on open and affirming ministry. If we honor the belovedness, you know the divine image in each person gracefully, uh, then there is a gift in that regardless, uh, like I said, um, of our designations, our pledges, um, our commitments.
0: One of the things that intrigues me, uh, Melissa hearing, I think you actually began here was the importance of our stories Uh, and the curriculum that Alex and I have been working on now for a couple of years um, really does focus on helping men understand their story. Who am I? How did I get to be the me I am? And, you know, as we add more to this, the hope is, is who is God calling me to be beyond the me I am today? And part of what we, we focus on is, is coming to terms with why I hold the beliefs or the views or whatever that I hold. And, um, and, you know, and from that, you know, if we have the right template in front of us, we begin to see why some of those things are no longer good or never were good, but why there's something we no longer want to maintain in our lives. And I'm, I'm intrigued that it sounds like the work, the, the resources that, that Alliance uh, Q has available, are really asking the same set of questions of us. And um, I'm again, this is for another conversation, but it seems I just keep feeling in all these interviews that we've been doing with folks on our podcast that there's still another place where the church needs to find bridges one to another to do some work together in how we, because we're all asking the same kinds of questions exploring the same kinds of issues, Uh, you know, again, why are we here? how do we get here? Where do we need to go? What's God calling us to do to be with our lives, to be, you know, more, more complete people and God and one another. And I hope that, I hope, I hope there's a way, you know, that we can find wherever that table is, what, you know, whatever that incentive is, whatever it is, you know, that we can begin to say, why do we have 20 curriculums when one will do?
3: <laughs>
0: yeah and you know and uh, it's just that we probably haven't made it broad enough in its scope in each of our particular scopes so that it does answer ask, ask the questions that we need to ask in, in a broad enough context
2: yeah or why 20 ministries <laughs>
0: yeah exactly yeah.
2: it it prompts me to um thank you for naming the power of stories, narratives, the curriculum work that you were doing. Um, if we would just listen a little bit, we really are trying, seeking so much of the same commitment, right? Yes. And I mean, it's probably too simple, but isn't the, the work and the commitment to share God's love? um wow right uh this this all-inclusive expansive love i was talking just today with april johnson Uh, i know april was a previous guest with you on your podcast uh the minister with reconciliation ministry and we were we were naming uh with a lot of deep feeling the way that we are siloed in our Mm -hmm. ministries,
3: um,
2: in our identities and depending on the audience and the context, there might be some language that, you know, expresses that the emotion that I have with this, um, imagining that language and then just saying like, what if we just work together? Um, Disciples Justice Ministries is the collective for the Christian Church Disciples of Christ. And Alex, I see you um, among those conversations often. Um, Disciples Justice Ministries, I think, has had great momentum in the last year, year and a half, and is doing this bridge work um, of bringing our gifts together of listening to each other's stories and then supporting one another. Um, and I'm, I'm hopeful that that, that continues. Um, so one more conversation, this may or may not come out. So wherever you listen to the podcast, um, go search for, uh, the facing brokenness, uh, Mm -hmm. being brave together conversations from disciples justice ministries. Thank you for that. Yeah, there will be a total of four of those conversations um, and they are seeking to bring us together and give us practices, right? Like real tangible ways to be brave together, to bridge our differences um, and to share our faith, our love, our commitments. Yeah.
1: I think those might be available in their entirety even if you have, even if you are listening to this after they've all happened um, sometime here in the fairly near future. Um, I believe those are, uh, am I correct in that, Melissa, those are available then for people to listen into later?
2: Absolutely. And they are all and in their entirety will be, on the YouTube channel for the Christian Church Disciples of Christ.
1: Yeah. Oh, I remember that. It was, it has been fun. This, uh, I want to say it was maybe even this spring could have been last fall. Um, but both Greg and I, um, started being able to attend some of those, um, those monthly zoom meetings. And that has been, um, that has been really good to, like you said, build some of those bridges. Um, and, uh, uh, and break down some of those barriers that those artificial barriers um, that divide us one from another.
0: Yeah. 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 One of one of the interesting things that I struggle with, and it's what's my growing edge, I guess, is, you know, over my 40 plus years of ministry, I remember where we started these conversations. And I remember the bridges that we were building years ago. And uh, and I I have been a part of you know this these conv- conversations for as long as I can remember. And what's I think what where my generation gets a little bit hung up is two places actually. One is one is just when we think we get to a good place, it seems like the, everything changes again, and we just have to start all. We're starting from a different new place and addressing mm-hmm. new new realities. But the second place is, is that it's caused, it really calls for a different kind of construction technique than the way we built bridges in the past. And that's a brand new learning curve for me, I confess. Uh, one that I want to embrace if I can last long enough. Uh, but it's, but again, I think that's, that's, for those who are listening, that's uh, who are you know my generation and a lot of the folks are. It's just, this is not this doesn't threaten anything about us, you know, what it does is it gives us an opportunity to be much more than we could ever have been in the past. You know, it's, it's like going going from, you know, <laughs> trying to drive a nail with a hammer to you know these new high powered, you know, pneumatic weapons guns that we have, you know, that can do this so much easier now that everybody construct. There are all kinds of new things that we've got to embrace in order to get where we want to go and to build the kind of community that we want to build. And you know the techniques and the ways that we did it in the past were good for then; they're no good for today. And I just hope and pray that we are open to embrace these the newness and the new opportunities that we have uh, to be a part of this, not not obstacles, but to be foundational elements. You know that these that the new, more gifted, you know, more insightful, really, I think, generations that are that are following us can do and. Uh, um, I, I'm excited, you know, when I see people like you, Melissa, Alex, who you know, who are really picking up this and running with it in some extraordinary ways. Wonderfully gifted people who are trying to pull the church into a new place where the blessings of God can flow, uh, you know, that uh, uh, f- for a whole new realm, a whole new world in which we live. And uh, uh, I, I just want to say, before we're done, thank you, Melissa to you for the work that you do. And and it really is an extraordinary ministry on all of our behalf.
3: Thank you, Greg. Um,
2: We stand upon the work and the witness of our ancestors, um, those who have come before us. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize I was setting myself up, up for this transition, but those who have gone before us, are a necessity to our faith and to the fullness of our churches, right? To this movement for wholeness. We've already named um, the systems and the white male norm uh, that must, right? Must be confronted and changed.
0: Dismantled is our language. Yes, yes,
2: (laughs) yes. I also want to say I wouldn't be who I am. Alliance Q wouldn't be the organization that it is. And we are undergoing much transformation and need to. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have publicly named our complicity in white supremacy and have a lot to change organizationally and internally. Naming those. The witness and work of those who have gone before us is essential to our storytelling. And so you know, I appreciate that, that you maybe put me in the same generation with Alex. We don't need to go there with ages. I'm probably, probably somewhere in the middle of this. Uh, um, the stories of those who have gone before me, my grandparents and great-grandparents and the elders of our churches, those are not going to be lost. Right. I, I recognize that there's a lot of fear um, from many about considering the new tools, right? Like I, I use a hammer. I don't want to pick up this powerful electric, whatever this tool is that you said, Greg. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes a hammer will be just the right tool exactly. for the specific task. And and so there's a gift, um. In adapting those tools, uh, reimagining how those are used, and maintaining and passing on the stories, right, that have brought us to where we are. And I don't know if, if that's a comfort to some of our listeners, um, but I hope it is an affirmation, um, an affirmation of the gifts and tools that, regardless of age, Gender orientation that each person really does bring to our life together.
0: Amen to that. Amen, Amen.
1: to that. With with that sermon, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 let's start drawing ourselves to a close. Um, Melissa, uh, before we go, uh, I do want to let you tell listeners um, where they can learn more about. Uh, Alliance Q, uh, the work you're doing, uh, support, if they feel so called, um, your ministry, and and some of those um, more technical aspects, I guess.
2: I appreciate that invitation. Uh, I'll do a short commercial. Um, DisciplesAllianceQ.org DisciplesAllianceQ.org is our website where you can financially give to this ministry. Uh, We invite individuals to become members with our movement, to be a part of the work that we do. And membership embraces financial support as well as engagement. Uh, We need bodies, right? We know ministry requires money and people. Um, So there are ways for you all to engage with us through financial membership, as well as uh, learning and participation with us. Alliance Q started um, at the beginning of 2021, virtual pulpit supply, VPS, and it immediately was bigger than what I had imagined, but includes a scripture reading, sermon, and ascending forth um, recorded so that any ministry anywhere can include our voices, um, in the context of worship or Bible study or small group. We feature once a month, uh, on the fourth Sunday's lectionary text, um, an and LGBTQ plus voice, many are ordained, others are seminarians, some are partners and leaders from those disciples justice ministries. The gift is the lens and the perspective that comes to us and it's a free resource. We hope there will be some support that follows, but virtual pulpit supply is one of um, our most widely used resources right now. Uh, We had a request um, for our virtual pulpit supply by uh, a retirement community. It took me by surprise and I reached (laughs) out to to the chaplain and, I don't know why I was surprised, but the chaplain said, no, we don't, we don't have a lot of LGBTQ folks in our care facility, but we have a lot of folks who want to listen and connect and worship and come together. And so we're going to use your virtual pulpit supply on scripture to tell these stories and to connect with each other. Um, yeah, uh, we have a, we've got a newsletter, Crossbeams uh, Monthly, uh, feel free to sign up for that to, to get our news on events, whether that's learning or social. And one fun partnership, Alex, Greg, a little bit of pressure. Don't wait too long to get the podcast out to folks. Um, October 2nd, uh, in partnership with the UCC uh, Gateway ONA uh, Coalition, we will have Drag Bingo. Now, come on, come play bingo with us virtually, listen to the music, if you've never seen drag, done drag, all the more reason to safely join us virtually, play some bingo, win, laugh, fellowship, you know, no one will know you're there, but we sure hope you might consider drag bingo with us on October 2nd.
0: Challenge received.
1: That is great. That <laughs> is great. Uh, we'll
2: have fun. It, it will be fun.
1: We're, we're talking about having a uh, 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 get-together of some of the leadership of Disciples Men over that weekend. We'll need to make sure we slot that time open so that <laughs> we can uh, have the experience, make Bingo, as a group. There
2: you go. There so we go. We'll put it on the agenda at 6.30 Central, 7.30 Eastern. Bingo as a part of the weekend.
1: There we go. <laughs> oh, that'll be perfect. <laughs> I'm yeah. glad you mentioned that virtual pulpit supply. That I we haven't used them here at the church yet, but uh, I have one opportunity coming up, and I had it on my radar. And so that was actually brings it back to the front of my radar, which is a good thing. So glad so to do that, and it doesn't
3: have
2: to be. For preaching right for the pulpit a lot of churches are using it for coming together for bible study
1: yeah. that was great Listen, i definitely want to thank you for your time today uh, this has been a great conversation um, uh, it has amazed me i think through all these conversations how much um i get personally out of just having the opportunity to sit and talk with some of the other leaders uh, in in the denomination. And I think it is because of what you, um, held up for us today and just that ability to come in and listen, uh, and to hear what's going on, to hear some of those stories. Um, and so I, I thank you for that. Um, thank you for, um, giving us, uh, Greg and I, all, all our listeners, something to think about, um, and, and ways to move forward. Uh, to be a more inclusive and expansive uh, community following one another. So thank you for your time again.
0: Thank you, Melissa.
2: Well I was grateful to listen a little bit. Uh, I would hope for opportunities to continue listening to each of your stories and listen in and watch the work of disciples men um, among our wider church. So I'm glad to be be here today.
1: Thank you.
0: Please know our prayers are with you in your ministry.
1: Yes, definitely. Definitely. Thank you all for joining us on another edition of the Cyber Spend Podcast. We hope to see you soon.
0: Our special thanks to our good friend, the Reverend Dr. Dean Phelps, for providing the special music of this podcast. You can discover more of Dean's music at deanphelpsmusic.com. And you can learn more about the ministry of Disciples Men on Facebook and through DisciplesHomeMissions.org.